Hey there, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Team Builder Podcast. I am your host and co-founder of Team Builder, Hewitt Tomlin. We are indeed the number one strength and conditioning software out there. If you have heard it differently, then it wasn't true. Today's guest is John Bierbauer. John is the Director of Physical Education, amongst some other titles, at McHenry High School in McHenry, Illinois. Um, McHenry High School is actually two high schools with two different campuses. There is an enormous amount of athletes and students uh, between the two campuses, and John kind of manages the PE department. Uh, John and I get into a lot of things, but we stay pretty focused on PE and specifically what it means to have a unified physical education program. Uh, John has an education background. He's an educator by trade, and he really developed a passion for strength and conditioning, which I think is really interesting. And John's actually one of the most well-read coaches that I know out there, especially at the high school level. Every time I talk shop with him, he's always referencing a book. I think the guy reads, you know, it seems like he would read like a book a week. He's just really well-read. Um, but he's also really passionate about his program, not just for the athletes, but for the students in general. At the end of the podcast, I just kind of like recognize his passion for you know, training students as well as athletes and making sure that they learn these habits that they carry with them for life. Uh, if you've ever heard anyone talk about you know, the health habits or fitness habits of Americans you know, in the long term and how you know, America is probably behind the curve in terms of you know our population and the fitness of our population, John is talking about addressing that um, you know by training uh, students and athletes to really learn how to be self-sufficient when it comes to uh, fitness and also learning how to love fitness, which I just thought was really really cool. So enjoy the podcast and let me know your thoughts. Uh, hey John, how you doing today? Yeah, I'm excellent. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Absolutely. We were just talking before the podcast and you got this uh, background screen up. This is your uh, your updated facility. You had some updates done. Yeah, we're proud of that. Uh, of course, there's some phases. COVID kind of put some wrinkles in that with supply chain issues. And, and we uh, ended up getting some air conditioning work done, which we didn't want to have all those lifts and things in there at the same time. So we delayed the turf installment a little bit later. But that got put in on Monday, Tuesday. Um, looks pretty good. Yeah. yeah, we're definitely proud of that. So I want to put that as my background. Yeah, so the new thing is this uh, turf strip. So was that important to you to get some turf in the facility? It was. It kind of makes us, uh, it makes it a training facility, not just a weight room. You know, it gives us the ability. That, that's a unique area, and that's a passageway from door to door. And we couldn't really extend any more weights over there. But by putting the turf, it can still keep that passageway open. It gives us our ability to have places to push our sled and stretch and yeah. uh, just kind of enhance the facility by having that strip there. I'm, I'm pretty excited. Good stuff. So – you know, in this podcast, we're going to focus on the intersection of PE and strength and conditioning. Uh, I thought of you right away because you hold titles for both. You are the, um, uh, well, so talk, let's talk about your division title, assistant division chair for PE. Yeah, so uh, that was originally just the de department chair. And then right. uh, our district went to the divisional model, which means that uh, you have different administrators that oversee multiple departments or and uh, I, I didn't want to take a role that caused me to be less involved with students. Uh, that role requires you to only teach a little bit. You're doing all the evaluations. But by being that assistant, I still get to help do our budget and be a part of the leadership, but still get to teach, which has been a big, uh, big part of my career. And I don't want to, I'm not ready to step over that line yet. So 
Right. Uh, that's my role in, in physical education. And your, and your other title is a Director of Strength and Conditioning for the District. So for, for those who don't know, what, what is the difference between being a district strength and conditioning director as opposed to just for the school? Well, we have two campuses at McHenry. We've got an east and a west campus. And um, so that'll, that title um, basically means that I'm serving to make sure that after school training and coordinating our folks that help in the weight rooms um, at both campuses um, is why that's a district district title. I see. Got Keeps it. Keeps me busy. Right, right. Exactly. So um, I'm trying to, I mean, look, you've got a lot of background, a lot of experience. So trying to keep this, you know, content concise is going to be difficult, but we're going to start with, um, you know, m- maybe how you fell into strength and conditioning. So from your bio, you started out in PE and education, uh, and then you made your way into to strength and conditioning. Can you talk a little bit about how that path took shape? I'd be happy to. So, and, and that's, that's a path everyone's is different. You know, we have, we have so many people I work with that came through exercise science as their major or just had a desire to be a, a strength coach. And I really didn't know that those kind of positions really were um, a thing that people could do in a high school when I was going through college. But um, for me, uh, my role as a department chair, we, we, we had a strength and conditioning course and uh, it was a good class, but it was a PE class. So essentially it meant that um, students got to go up to the weight room and depending on who their teacher uh, might be that hour, um, would I have an opportunity to lift weights during the, uh, the class? And um, as I served in that role, I saw different things where that could create some challenges at times. It was great to have it. It was great to have a weight room. But uh, we just saw a need to maybe have that be more of a program than just a class. So I really took a, a lot of time getting involved. And, and I've always been the type of leader to get my hands dirty and jump in there and, and try to understand. And so we spent about a year just uh, researching what, what good uh, strength programs do specifically at the high school level. Uh, huge shout out to Coach Vanderbush over at Ben Davis. Uh, one, of our, one of our gentlemen that teaches and coaches our school had a connection there, said, you know, we should make a trip. You know, you're going to all these schools. You should make a trip over there. And we were so inspired by how he used his facility and the unified approach um, that we actually paid to have him come out. And uh, he presented to our, uh, to our coaches just about what that could look like and how a, a a strength and conditioning course within PE could maybe be a benefit to the athletics department. And a lot of our coaches, that was the, that was what we needed to kind of get us uh, some momentum Mm -hmm. Um, because then everybody were saying, if you run the class that way, we want our kids in it. And so um, that was part of my job is facilitating getting that started. And then um, the first year I was not up there as much. I taught the course in the old traditional way, but just had that vision for how it might, look and so uh, as the as we ran it that way the numbers just kept rising in terms of the number of enrollment sections and so we've got a lot of different teachers that teach it and then and then of course I brought you know everyone has gifts and strengths and things that um, help make them leave the legacy they leave and for me you know I've always enjoyed using technology and and enjoy um, analyzing data and the science part of it and then the communication and the motivation side and the leadership aspect so um, I moved up into the weight room, literally moved my office up there and we started using team builder and, and moving to a paperless system and putting the tablets on the racks and, um, that just all that, you know, it's funny just looking back each year, there was just, you know, we always say, um, don't make your chapter one, like somebody else's chapter 20. And, and we look back each year, we've got a new chapter that we're ahead to that we wouldn't have been able to do the year before. And, yeah. um, you know, even like this turf, you know, that that's a product of a lot of momentum and excitement about things that are happening and. Yeah. So Roman so, uh, built in a day. It's yeah. Kind of so, you know, and I do feel those, 
in all honesty and, and humbly, I'm so envious of the people that have, have so much more content knowledge and strength and conditioning than I do just because of spending years, you know, my, my background was more physical education, educational leadership. And um, so that has helped me tremendously in my job, but I've been so much just immersing myself in um, any kind of conferences I can go to spending my spending time with, with great strength coaches to, to just continue to get better with the X's and O's of, of the profession in that sense. So I'm kind of, I always say I'm kind of late in the game of strength and conditioning, although yeah. I'm about halfway through with my career, but right. I do say it's probably my favorite thing that I've done up to this point. You know, it, the opportunities being up in the weight room gives to encourage kids to work with a lot of students. So what, when it comes to um, uh, a coach starting his or her unified program, what are some like fundamental things that you would advise doing in year one, year two? Well, I think, as I said, I think it can be a false uh, idea to try to do some replicate someone else's doing fully. Um, you really need to take some time to take stock in terms of what, what things are your easy wins right off the bat? What things make the most sense in terms of getting everybody on the same page and getting that buy-in? Because once that can happen, um, now we start getting, you know, that, that momentum is such a powerful thing that can get you through some obstacles that maybe you didn't have without it. And so I would say as you, um, as you start there, just take a look at, you know, what's the, what's the greatest needs that we need to accomplish and, uh, and that unify everyone, you know, where they all can agree on. We had a lot of coaches that um, maybe liked the class but liked it for different reasons. But as we focused on the, the things that they all agreed on and, and how they wanted the course to work, and, and that goes back to what Coach Vanderbush does where, you know, everybody's doing the same similar type of base workout and how that helps everyone. You know, now all of a sudden people are excited and want their students in a PE course that's a strength and conditioning course. And then you can, if you do that right, you can layer off that after school and, and do more sport specific after school. So I think that, that finding that common aim and having that set your course, um, that's essential, you know, and, and for us, um, it's, it's always been at McHenry relationships, you know, that's essential. We're going to build relationships. We're going to establish opportunities for our kids to connect with one another. Um, we're going to try to be innovative, uh, use technology. And uh, we're also going to try to do a great job of connecting not staying in a silo, but connecting our, what we do with what's going on in the rest of the school. That, that can be a mistake sometimes for physical education departments where they, you know, they're, they're kind of those folks that are down on the other end of the building or in the gym. But, you know, you are part of, a, of the system in the school. And the more you can help meet needs of the students that are outside of just what you're doing, um, you know, you're part of that organization. And that, that helps get more support as well. So yeah. I think those things we focused on, that would be my, first, that would be my starting spot is, and don't try to do everything. You know, we have people visit and wow, I like that. We should try that. And I'm thinking, you know, you probably have talented people that have passion for an area. And if you'll just invest in them and uh, let them take off, uh, you can't do it yourself as a, as a leader. And, and we, right now we have a fantastic uh, dance teacher. I mean, she's, she's phenomenal and uh, she's taken our program, so much farther because of her drive and her energy. And, and so if she wasn't in that role, I wouldn't say that would be one of our strengths as, as much, yeah. um, but it is. So, you know, we have a good leadership program because that's something we care about. And, and so I, I think um, it can be a mistake to try to do everything, do, do a few things really well based on the staff you have in your facility and the needs of your school. Each school has different needs. So. Yeah. I'm thinking of a sports coach um, 
you know, like this is such a stereotype, but like take, take a Texas 6A football coach and they come to him and say, hey, we want to do a unified approach. Do sports coaches ever sometimes push back and say, I feel like a unified approach will hold back my athletes because they're sharing a space, sharing a curriculum with regular students who don't play play sports or play football. Is that, is that a concern ever? Yeah. Uh, it's, um, well, I hear a couple of things there. Um, one is a lot of times it's an issue of control where I, I don't want to, I don't want to lose control of what's happening with my athletes. And so that's an issue of trust and buy-in with them. And so as they, as you spend time with them and you, and you can show that the things that you're doing in the class um, that are their goals are probably very similar to the other coaches goals as well. We, it was a, uh, a few years ago, we had a, a coach who I knew had had some concerns about the students' uh, weight, weight training or being in the course, and uh, it was one of, one of my first meetings with him. We just uh, we sat down and, and had a good discussion, and I just asked him. I said, I'm just going to listen, which, you know, for me as a talker, it, I had to, you know, quiet <laughs> down for a minute and just say, you know, put my paper there, and I just wanted to listen. I said, hey, what, what, uh, what things do you believe in in terms of training? And uh, as he talked, I was just taking notes and we got done and, and uh, I just told him, I said, you know, I got to tell you all these things that you value, we can accomplish in the PE class and are part of our, is part of what we do. And so we started with what we agreed on. And I think that is a big, uh, big thing because, you know, some of the reasons why a coach may not want a athlete up there has a lot to do with the trust or that they're worried that um, maybe they won't get as much benefit as if they were there. And, um, you know, I, I do have coaches that if they have the opportunity to be in the weight room when we're training, um, mm-hmm. they like that because then they can provide that motivation. You know, that's always going to be better when the, when the coach can be there watching it and participating, um, is, is a good thing. Yeah. Um, but the second, the second part you mentioned about, um, you know, I think there was a second part of your comment with, um, with them participating in the course, and, and I would say as a unified, you know, the seasons overlap differently. And that's always been something that I have found interesting is let's say, for example, you're a football coach and the kids in your section are football players, but yet in the winter, at least in Illinois, they go to wrestling or other sports, you know, that wrestling coach, you know, are they going to enjoy the fact that that football players doing now football training in the middle of their wrestling season or basketball, for example, um, you know, maybe basketball, we've already started that season before the semester ends. And so as much as you try to have these clean breaks with, with academic calendars and, and sport calendars and seasons and playoffs and all these things, um, you know, it, you kind of start chasing your tail there and trying to figure out who's where. And if you can do it in a way that benefits everybody and, and whether it be a no game day workouts, just have a base workout. That doesn't mean you're not smart, but um, I really think that helps because um, by having that base workout in now, if you do have a practice after school or you're in the off season and you're doing additional training that can be layered onto it. So I just keep getting the coaches back to like what we're doing. A PE is providing that base. Um, and by us doing that, right, you can do your stuff. But if, if we don't do our job, um, you know, yeah. who's going to do it. Right. Right. Um, you speak a lot at events. Um, you know, you sent me a list earlier of, of your presentations that you've done recently. It's quite a bit. And uh, some of the content you present on is things like leadership and technology integration. I wanted to talk a little bit about high school PE program design. 
And before we get into that, I, I want to recall the story. It was an NHS, NHSSCA national conference. And Mike Boyle spoke. He was the keynote. And uh, you even asked him questions during Q&A, but then you gave him a ride over to the, uh, the social afterwards. And I, he said that he enjoyed his conversation with you so much that he agreed to come back and do the pre-con the next year, which was a really big deal. So you knew Mike Boyle's stuff. You were asking about the different, I think, versions of functional training that he had put out, the different books. So that leads me into uh, program design. The way that you design programs, what does that come from? Does that come from stuff that you've read, that you've seen from other coaches? I'm sure it's, it's from a variety of sources. Combination, yeah. And I would, I would, I would, uh, I would be – I don't say that I would be the reason that he connected back with NHS to see. You know, I was, I was just a guy that enjoys talking shop, and, and we enjoyed visiting that night. And it just so happened to need a ride back, and that was great. You know, just kind of – That's right. He was like the right time, you know. He was like looking around, and he needed a ride to the social. And he just, I guess, went to you and said, hey, are you driving to this thing? I need a ride. Yeah, and uh, lucky for me, you know, because he's a, a wealth of knowledge, and I still enjoy listening to some of the things. He always challenges me. Um, we would probably um, – if you were to see the way we design our program, you would say that's it's probably um, – many would say it's very simple, but um, – but in, in honesty, I, I think that that's okay with what we're trying to do with it, with the classes. So I say it's simple, but as I find, when I look back at some of the things we're doing, you know, we, we will throw in some velocity-based training. Um, we will advance and do a lot of different things once they've been in the course for a few years and they're ready for it. And so I don't want to uh, just say we're doing the same lifts the same way every day, but we're um, trying to be smart in how we do that. So um, you know, it's a linear periodization. It's, um, it's doing, an, and, and I believe in that specifically because of, I want it to be something the kids understand um, to where if they come in and um, they're solely relying on coach, just constantly giving them something, if, if they can understand what they're doing and how that's helping them and make adjustments on their own without it always be having to be given to them, that makes a difference. Now your software helps a lot with that but you still want to have them have an understanding on how they're feeling and how uh, based on how they're responding to where they're at with training that day, they're adjusting to that on their own. Right. So I think that that's, that's an important aspect when you talk about a, a teenage kid, many of which have never had, maybe never even stepped foot in a weight room before. Yeah. So we, um, we try to do that. We'll, um, we'll lift at least two days a week with a lower body focus and then two with an upper. And then on, if we have five day week, um, we'll throw in an athletic enhancement, and that's a Coach Vanderbush term. We, we literally do a pro program very similar with a lot of plyometrics, change of direction, um, more movements that help with balance, core stability. And uh, that, that can really pay dividends as you do it throughout the semester. It really seems to, to help the kids. But probably more on the, the, the strength side than conditioning um, in the PE class because each athlete conditions differently based on their sport. Yeah. Uh, once you start trying to get into programming and the conditioning, you find yourself um, getting into that spot where you have the differences are making such a change. So, you know, our niche is to um, help in that sense. Yeah. Do you want to cover really quickly what a freshman's program would look like versus our freshmen do not take it. Um, oh, that's right. You change that. that. We're, we're hoping to change that. So in fact, that was a big, uh, big, big uh, part of our work this summer is we're, our freshmen have never been able to take the course. Just the numbers have been too large and kids taking the other sections. Mm -hmm. So it's only a sophomore through senior class. Now next year, we're going to have a campus shift 
and uh, the East Campus, which currently is a 9 through 12 building, will become a freshman center. So every student in our district, all about 2,600, will go through East Campus. And then when they come over and train in the facility you see in the picture, they'll be there from sophomore through senior. Mm-hmm. And um, that's going to be great because that means that for the first time allows us to run a freshman class, yeah. which will be very similar to what we're doing. But we're, we're excited about the fact that we're going to try to incorporate some of the concepts of block zero, um, which, you know, we've, there's many high school coaches that I admire, you know, Garrett Keith, coach cash, those guys that do a great job in, in variations of that. Um, there's a school up the road from us, Warren township high school that does a great freshman program. Um, we, uh, Joe Kins materials has been helpful. And so I'm, I'm seeing that course and, and I'm investing in the guys that are teaching in that right now we want them to really feel a lot of buy-in and enthusiasm about they being they're going to be the foundation mm-hmm. when they, when the students come over from the eighth grade they're going to take them and and literally start at the base level and, and teach these movements and these progressions and as it layers by the time they push them out the nest come over the upper class building they're going to be ready to go and be ready to do the workouts that we've been traditionally doing but with just better quality right um, so I'm, I'm excited to see that yeah so so let's cover really quickly what does a block zero program look like for a freshman versus a senior um, that's been through the program all for four years? Well, our vision of that would be as they come in, um, they're going to do a lot more um, body weight type exercises, um, work on um, their uh, – they, they won't necessarily be putting a weight on themselves yet, right? Uh-huh. Uh, we want to teach them how to, to move properly, um, how, to, how to move athletically. And uh, those movements – whether it be some, some initial, just some low level plyometrics, some change in direction, some, uh, you know, the eccentric portion, the landing, right? Um, we're doing different things to where we're um, not necessarily worried about getting a weight on them yet, right? Um, and then once we kind of move on, now we can, for us, like we would teach a goblet squat and then a front squat. And then if we're, by the end of the semester, we'd be actually doing the back squat. Now we're going to come over to the upper campus with us and build a back squat. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of an example with one, with one movement. And, so, and that would be an expectation that they will be able to back squat by the time they – They come over to the sophomore campus. The yeah. sophomore campus, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. depending – each kid – each athlete's different. Right. That, would be, that would be one. And so um, those are some of the things. They would be started – so once they come over, now they've got a couple years where they're continuing to train and see gains and, and make improvements – and then by the time they are usually a junior, senior, they're in our advanced track, and those are when we'll start putting the velocity trackers on them and mm-hmm. check power output. So that would be just a quick answer of taking somebody from a block level to where they've been in the class for four years, and they're able to you – know, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily interested in, in uh, measuring the velocity of somebody that's never squatted before. Yeah. Right? So obviously, yeah. I hope that – yeah. And um, so on the topic of, well, I don't have to tell you, you're a technology guy. The whole purpose of technology is the metrics, the data to provide some insight. And you talk about this extensively. You talk about student health and fitness impacts, uh, impacts on the athletes and the students uh, physically, obviously, but also on, in terms of brain function. You want to spend a little bit of time just to talk what you found uh, in terms of the results? Okay. Well, a couple of things right off the bat that applies to strength and conditioning, but to any PE teacher. And I think the more you can start speaking with this kind of understanding, the more you branch out of your own bubble 
of uh, of what you're doing. So, you know, if if you were to say there's something that's going to enhance mood, and it's going to enhance focus and awareness in an in a student and their creativity, and that same intervention that's an education word intervention is going to help with their depression and increase their motivation and their overall wellness and and uh, and even you know reduce the aging process right and then it actually is one of the few things that promotes neurogenesis um, the which something we we weren't ever sure was possible but now that we know it is the only side effect was your cardio health was going to get better and your self-confidence go up, you know, obviously jokingly, it's exercise. And, you know, that is a unique niche that we play in physical education and obviously strength and conditioning as under that umbrella. Mm-hmm. And uh, so once you start realizing, you know, this student, and this is going to be big right now with all this COVID and um, the social emotional part of, of someone other than just their physical, their overall wellness, um, we play a unique role in that. I, I've always said, you know, the, the weight room, it's the, it's the time they get to get out of their desks. Um, they're probably not on a device much, you know, where they'll be logging their team builder on their tablet, of course, but they're not in front of that screen and they're interacting with peers and learning to, uh, you know, spot one another in a game participating. And when we ask kids at the end of a course, some of your favorite things from being in class, they talk about time with their friends, having fun, break from my day. Um, those kind of things, you know, we don't want to discredit those too quickly. Those are important. Those are really important to have that part of every of, of an athlete's day. Mm-hmm. So then that plus the 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 brain side, um, I got involved with that early. We're fortunate in Illinois. We had a we're close enough to a town Naperville, Naperville Central. Um, they took the lead in some of that stuff several years ago. Paul Zintarski, a tremendous uh, leader, um, you know, and and was big with with um, this whole movement of helping folks understand that exercise and what that effect could have on the brain. And then that sparked, uh, he connected with uh, Dr. John Rady and they wrote that book spark. And uh, that book essentially, you know, kind of put that concept on the radar of physical education teachers of helping them to understand that students that were more fit and more active actually would learn better. And so there was tons of uh, shows made about it, documentaries made about it. Um, and so I thought that was a key part of like when I was coming into my role in physical education, I was paying attention to that. And so I was always fascinated with that and believed in it, but it was like something other, other researchers were looking at. Mm-hmm. We always had to submit our fitness data anyway. Um, you know, as, as something we would do, we would analyze and use the Cooper Institute fitness gram and, and get some initial readings of if generally how are our kids doing with cardiovascular health, muscular strength. And we would always take that and put it into a little bit of a algorithm where it would show us overall levels of fitness, kids that were meet, meeting the zones, uh, meeting the expectations, kids that were exceeding it and kids that were not. So we always kind of would take a look at those three, three areas and we would have kids have goals based on those three areas. The kids that were not meeting had a different goal than maybe the kids that were meeting or exceeding. So we had already had that system in place and, um, with all this going on in the back of my mind, we had talked to one of our data, our data guys that took, takes a look at a lot of our uh, academic metrics. And I said, you know, if I could get you some lists of um, the kids that are not meeting the, meeting the standards, kids that are meeting it and the kids that are exceeding it and not even worrying about their names, but you would use that name to get me the information. 
I would, I'd be curious to know, like, what's the average GPA of a kid under, middle, or achieving? Um, how many total days have they missed of school? Um, how'd they do on the SAT? Just some big picture, um, how many AP honors classes are they taking? Well, we assumed it would come out this way, um, and our assumptions were proved right, that our students that are doing the best fitness with fitness miss less school, did better academically, and some would argue, well, yeah, there's a lot of variables there. You can't isolate that one, and I'm, I'm not going to go down that path. I understand that, right. but why not have that information? We presented that to the school board the first year we had it, and yeah. just saying, you know, it makes it hard. It makes a hard case to try to reduce activity level and not invest in a program that you've been able to show is returning on the investment of the more the. You know, it makes it pretty hard to cut physical education time if you're showing how much it's helping our kids be more or the kids that are most fit are doing better. Right. right. But when you're investing in all these other interventions. So I think that was unique. So we, we sent that out the last three or four years and that goes all over. It goes all over the nation. Right. Um, you know, and I know even Paul still talks, he's retired now Zintarski. He still uses some of our data um, with some of the other great stuff he already has. And uh, we've been very proud of that because um, we're proud of our kids first and foremost, but it's, it's been kind of interesting. It seemed like such an obvious little simple comparison to run, but it was nice because it was our information. It was McHenry kids data. It wasn't something you read out of a textbook yeah. at Harvard. We could show like, here's how our kids are doing. And the ones that do this well, do this well with, with these other factors. So right. I think I, that was a big tie in. Yeah, that is huge. And you know, you mentioned a little bit about the, there's a potential argument for causation versus correlation. Yeah. Have, have you, have you tried to look into causation? Have you tried to control for say a population that didn't do We the, haven't as a, as just somebody in a public high school here, worrying yeah, about some of the other things. I'm, I'm leaving that to Rady. And I mean, there, that, those, that research is being done. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Chuck, I think it was Chuck Hillman, Dr. Hillman, when he was down at Illinois, did some great studies. And we would always show those to the kids right before they take their tests. We'd always offer like a morning workout before the SAT. Right. And we would really encourage you to just get in, get moving around a little bit because of how much of the stuff he had looked at with, you know, kids doing just even a little bit of movement, 20 minute walk right before they took a cognitive test and the changes. So it's that specific at that level, uh, not necessarily for me. So I just take advantage of stuff they're given and yeah. then they love kind of using our stuff. That's a little bit less. Um, yeah. Yeah. It is it, for a coach who say maybe doesn't collect a lot of data, but would be interested in doing so. Is it hard to do? Does it, does it take a lot of time and effort? It can be, but you have to look for, um, you look, have to look for the tools you already have. So mm-hmm. for us, that was easy. We already had a couple major tools in our toolbox, fitness data, and then a person in the academic realm that could pull that run those reports very easily. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I always felt like schools probably should have that or do have that. Mm-hmm. You know, they probably, but some don't, you know, some don't track any kind of fitness with their kids. It becomes too difficult to manage. Um, but, you know, for us, that it really isn't as difficult, you know, and this is just a matter of running, running it and then doing some charts with it. Right. And, um, and there are scientific connections. You know, we, we look, the, the big thing is that um, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, BDNF. And uh, the big thing from Medina and Rady was about how they would say that's like miracle growth for your brain. Right. So you you're you're learning. But the more you exercise, the more you release those things that help produce that growth and then help make those connections. And so mm-hmm. that's why it has such a benefit with people as they're aging, too. And we're finding out, you know, yeah. these folks as they're aging, things stay active and how that helps 
slow their risk for um, loss of some of their cognitive function. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot there. So if you can get those things happening and, and help kids understand that at a young age, that's one of our cognitive lessons. So there are days we lose the gym, um, maybe we've got something going on and we can't train. And, and that's, that's a lesson we put out. We, we specifically have a lesson on helping kids understand the benefit of exercise on learning. We feel yeah. it's that important for them to know. Cause I've always said, you know, our jobs as a PE teacher um, should be preparing them for what's next. So what's life after high school look like? And, um, you know, in a presentation, our parents will usually say, you know, less than 3% of, of people stay active after they graduate high school doing team sports. Right. But think about what traditional programs look like. There was a lot of that. And, and there's always going to be a place for that in our programs, you know, because of the lessons they teach about cooperation and, and coordination and, and uh, working together and, and strategy, right? Um, that, that's always going to be there. But what I'm saying is if, if the program still looks like that, you know, look at the things people are doing to stay healthy and active once they're done. Um, we need to be exposing students to that. So that's when we started investing in cardio equipment that would be similar to what you'd see at a rec center, our weight room, you know. Yeah. Um, of course, some, some kids come back and say, wow, my facility, my high school was better than my college. But, um, you know, we're fortunate. Yeah. But I would just say that um, those kind of things are important. We have a lifeguarding class, uh, which I've always been really proud of because that, they're getting their PE credit, but they're getting a certification that's helping them get employment in the summer. And, uh, you know, they're learning a skill and then it's even better when you have kids come back and say, wow, you know, I had a couple saves or rescues this year. And you know, that's, that's amazing. They're proud of it. We're proud of them for doing that. Um, we have that PE leaders course where they, they train for a year to develop their skills and then they're serve as interns. So they're placed with a teacher. So if you were in our program and maybe you were teaching third hour, you might have a PE an intern who'd been through a year's worth of training be paired with you to, um, to help lead the class. Mm-hmm. So it's student led and that's, that's the beauty. Um, we've got some aquatic classes, we've got um, a fitness class, we've got the dance class. So those kind of things kind of are niches that each kid can go to it and they can explore it. Maybe they try something and you know, that wasn't as much as I like, but I picked up a couple of things that I can do for lifelong activity. Right. So you invested in, in cardio equipment. I'm thinking of like, you know, a traditional like college strength and conditioning coach. They might not care for the cardio equipment. But your argument is, is that we're trying to equip athletes to build sustainable fitness habits beyond high school. And not everyone is going to be a weightlifter or, you know, a weight room person for life. Is that the idea? Yes, it is. And I will say our strength and conditioning athletes, the ones in the class, don't use that equipment as much in the course. Because mm-hmm. we're staying in our lane of really focusing on that time in the weight room being essential. That for us, we have forty-five minute classes. So if we get away from maximizing that time in there, then that it means somebody else has to do that later, right? But we will see a lot of athletes. They'll do their workout with in the in the weight room during the PE time, and that's a teaching space. So when you're trying to manage um, numbers of students, that helps as well to have those students there. Then after school, maybe they, you'll see them come back and they'll say, hey, I want to go down and, and bike for a while or, or do that. And I'm fine with that. I think it's great because of what they did during the day where our PE students that are not in the class, they might be dur- doing that during their PE time. We, and we rotate them through. Um, we have monitors up in front. Um, I'll have to send you a picture or something. We've got some, some monitors up in front of the rows of some of those things. And we used to have the kids uh, be held accountable on how they were doing based on the, the sensor or the reading right on the machine. Um, with Polar, uh, we, we use a, 
currently an M200. We still have some of the old H7 straps, but we'll um, have the kids wear their heart rate sensor on the day they're in the cardio room. And that's up on the screen right there. And so um, they get credit for that workout based on did they hit a certain number of minutes in the zone. Right. So that, that kind of gets rid of the variable of, um, you know, how in shape or out of shape somebody is. And there's always some issues, you know, and, and people on the fringe. But I would just say in general, it's great because it, it gets rid of the subjectivity of the teacher. It can't be, well, you know, you it's mad because he just thinks the teacher doesn't like him and didn't think he wasn't working hard enough. Well, you yeah. can clearly show, you know, you were 20 minutes within where our target was for that day and you got your, your credit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's been a neat thing. So we rotate different classes, have their day where they come down and, and use that our fitness center. And um, I think that's an, a nice addition for, for a school to make that investment. And, and we don't buy new stuff and we're, we're fortunate and we're, they invest, but um, you know, we, we partner direct fitness is awesome. Some things are new, but uh, we have so many schools and so many universities in this Chicagoland area that direct fitness gets a lot of things in and they, they refurbish them almost like a used car. I mean, they put it through the paces and, and put all new belts and sprockets and everything in new keypads. And we'll buy those things a little bit discounted <laughs> cost. And if, as long as we keep in service, they, they run, you know, we yeah. keep them going. So, yeah, cool. Yeah. So um, why don't we dig in a little bit to this term unified PE? Yeah. Um, it sounds like it has to be accommodating, right? Like the, the fitness center, the cardio equipment, uh, offering these, these different aspects than just, it, it's more than just taking students and putting them in a weight room. Is that right? Exactly. You have to, you have to realize how you, you are a part of a system. You know, you're part of a system. You're not on an island. And um, I, I've always said we, we need to complement each other, not compl- complicate each other. So it, it, you're always looking for things to where you're, you're benefiting the other courses and not doing one course at the expense of the other one. That's an important part of a unified approach. And I think mm-hmm. even a unified strength program as well is where do we see places get in trouble, where they start doing something to benefit one sport at the expense of the other one. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden there's lack of trust and lack of buy-in. And then people don't want to take the course anymore, or they want to train their own kids because they don't trust you. Whereas again, you focus on those, those common aims that we can all agree on. Same thing with the course. So, you know, at the end of the day, what's our goal when these students come in, um, you know, to prepare them to, to leave with some skills, be the best version of themselves, those kind of missions and, and statements that we have a base level of certain types of cognitive lessons that they'll all walk out understanding. Uh, now, obviously you're going to have a different set of things you're going to learn in lifeguarding than you will in strength or fitness or leadership, but there'll be a base level that we all will get, you know, benefits of exercise, components of fitness, um, benefits of heart training, brain function, how it impacts you and you know, how it affects stress, uh, goal setting. So there's some common themes that apply to every class. And in fact, we just keep, they're so essential. I would say, keep the main things plain and the plain things main. Some of the kids like coach, we've had this lesson four times in a row. I go, yeah, because you, you've been here four years, you know, we're not going to get away from those basic lessons. And, uh, and those are important to us. So those are unifying message that doing the fitness testing, every, every student does that. And that's important because we want to show that. And it actually helps us too, because then we can look at, you know, how did, how did the strength kids do on this fitness test as opposed to the dancers or how the flexibility uh, look, you know, it's kind of interesting when you look at those metrics um, because everybody, everybody does the test. Right. So there's no clear cut definition to what unified means. It's, it's more or less open to interpretation. 
Yeah, that's not uh, that's more of a term that we use. Um, you know, just in terms of unified, in the sense that you know we're we're unified in our overall goal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as opposed to, and I think that's kind of an essential thing for for um, the high school programs. You don't see that as much always in strength and conditioning courses, um, whereas one might be, well, this is you know a class specifically for just this team at this time. Um, that would not be unified. Unified in terms of strength would be a unified class where um, everybody who's in that class is going to get a base level of general athletic development that isn't getting so specific to their sport that it's at the expense of the other. Right. So the ultimate goal of a unified system is that both the PE uh, students and the athletic students get more out of the program than if they were operating independently of one another. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Can we talk about this um, acronym you use, AIMS, A-I-M-S? Is this something that you came up with? I don't know that I use that as an acronym unless I unless you saw it. Maybe I did it. Oh, I, saw it, I, saw it I saw it all capitalized, and I assumed oh, it was an, an yeah. acronym. You were just, I just stressed it. <laughs> and, and, AIMS, and AIMS, yeah, go ahead and, and, and say what you mean by that. Well, I, you know, an AIM would be something you're working towards, you know, like – some people use uh, this our mission statement or vision statement. These would be our like our our aims of our program, right? Mm-hmm. That that has a when I use the word aim, that always has kind of a little bit of a directional element, in my opinion. So it's not just you know it's kind of like when you say a vision statement, that's a little bit of a directional or forward looking statement as well. So mm-hmm. I I kind of use those interchangeably sometimes um, with a vision or here's our aims, here's our here's our ultimate goals or outcomes of our program. Right. Did you come up with it yourself? These uh, seven points. Oh, with oh, from our um, where I shared with you our yeah, those yeah, are our the, departmental goals. Departmental goals, yes. yeah. Well, um, it was in combination. There's things that obviously I have have my fingerprints on them. So what what uh, what you it's looking at there is is we have and I put those on any kind of document at the beginning of the year with our department. I'll put I'll put those on there, and every quarter we'll have a meeting. And we'll take stock. We'll go around. You at you know, which goal do you think we hit the best? Which one do you think we need to work on the most? We're just constantly keeping that in front. And, mm-hmm. and essentially, we're going to respect um, all of our students, and we're going to build positive relationships. And that's always kind of been my professional much do. Uh, life's all about relationships. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, that's what they're going to remember most about your course is the relationships with their their classmates and their teachers. And um, more than anything else, you do. So you have to be very intentional about that. And uh, by having your goal saying you're going to work hard to make sure you get to know your students, your athletes, and they're going to get to know each other. It can't just be teacher student, but helping them connect, giving them opportunities to connect, yeah. uh, invest in uh, the college and career readiness. So that was a district. That was a big district goal to have our students all be college career ready. So that needs to be on my goals. Yeah. Some would say, well, that's not a goal of the people. It better be, you know, if you're part of the system, and those administrators in your school knows you're working on that just as hard as any other department. That's important. So that was on our sheet. That's, that's yeah. a big one. Um, promote lifelong fitness. We talked about that, right? Building those habits. Advocate for the value of PE and health. And driver said, advocate, always communicating the good things we're doing, how our kids are getting more healthy, how they're performing and improving on their fitness, how all the gains they're making in the weight room. Um, all the improvements that they're they're making, some of the awesome. And then this year, we kind of took a different approach to that. We we hit it more from the the data side. And I and I told uh, the lady I work with, I said, you know, we're getting ready for our school board presentation, and we do that every year. So uh, I'm big in, in 
making opportunities to present, you know, you got to advocate for yourself. Yeah. So I'll present to the athletics department at the beginning of each year to all the coaches. And thankfully they're gracious enough to let me do it. But it's something I always am desiring to do. We love opportunities to present in front of our board. And that's not something that stresses it out. That's, that's an opportunity to get in front of the people that are the stakeholders in your district and, and share what you're doing. I mean, if you're not doing that, I would advise you to do it. But so each year, you know, we kind of have a different presentation to some degree. And, um, you know, I just talk about the same things each time, you know, strength. And it's because we get a lot of notoriety with what we're doing in strength lately. I, I feel like I got to make sure that there's good balance there. Mm-hmm. But um, we, uh, we talked and he said, you know, it's always been more on, you know, the program and where it's headed. Like I'm excited to talk about that block zero right now. And I can't wait to see what that's going to do. But this year I said, you know, the things that are really special are these individual stories. And so I just asked everybody, I said, in your classes, in the classes that are your, your niche, you know, is there anybody, is there any stories that just jump out that are especially, you know, meaningful? And um, immediately everybody started sharing things and we just started kind of making a list of those and, and we knew it couldn't be a long presentation, but we asked those students if they would be willing to come to the board meeting that night and just give a little wow. testimonial. Cool. So we had a young lady talk about how she had joined strength with the sole purpose of wanting to um, go to the Marines and how she had helped that class helped her achieve some of those goals. Um, we had one that was in lifeguarding that had made several rape, uh, saves and rescues that summer and just talked about, you know, how she was obviously grateful that she had saved somebody's life, but how she was grateful she'd had an opportunity to get those skills and training in the program. We had one, uh, one person that had, um, was in the dance class and was really wants to open a studio someday. We've got some that, you know, a neat story about a young man who talked about how the learning and getting into training helped him connect a little bit better with the stepdad and how their relationship has really grown because of their in, their common interest and in love for training and powerlifting. Yeah. So, you know, I could go on and on, but those stories, you know, those are the things you don't want to forget. And sometimes when you look big picture with daddy, you forget those. Yeah. And that was a, that was special for the kids to feel honored to get to share those in front of their board. But it was awesome for us too, because those, that's what we get to see every day, you know? And, and uh, so we kind of mix it, you know, some days it's the brain science, some years it's the programming, some years it's the personal. And so I, I guess going back to my, my list there, um, that's a big part of that goal advocating. Um, whole child is our, our fifth one. So the whole child kind of comes out of ASCD, but it, that's a concept of always being aware that that child is more than just the subject you're teaching at that point. They're, they're a whole child. There's a lot going on in the other hours of the day. So yeah. maybe, you know, have they not eaten breakfast? Is there some stuff going on with stress at home? All these different variables. And so just having that awareness, we felt like that was a goal of ours is to have that be a mindset. And then SEL, I spoke on that at the state conference for, uh, for uh, National High School Strength this year. And I made the case. I said, you know, if you're not being aware of what social emotional learning is, SEL, that's like the biggest thing that's the issue in the next decade is these students and how they're struggling with their social and emotional skills. And because that's an issue that specifically fitness and health can help, um, help with, not solve, but help with, we need to be a part of that discussion. Yeah, um, we, we do. So, you know, maybe a decade prior, the big work concerns were about the test scores and, and that. 
So obviously we're talking about the, how we're helping with the brain science. Now that stuff's still important. It doesn't mean it doesn't finish, but you're, you're shifting. You're saying there's a need there, right? There's a need there. So we need to be a part of the solution. Um, and, and the more you do that, even like right now with this, this stay at home, we just had our meeting today about um, our school is fully digital. So just some of the ways the numbers and things up here, and the districts in the Chicago suburbs, and we're about an hour north. We're the, decided about a week or so ago we're, we're not back. We were going to be back in 50%, but now it's, um, excuse me, um, fully digital. And, and coaches and, lose an advantage in a digital environment. It's harder to spot and practice as well. Exactly. So we said, you know, you already got kids coming in at a deficit in those areas. They've been, you know, their activity levels and things, their, their number of interactions each day is down. We're seeing the mental health things go up. So, you know, you're, if you're used to, I always, you're used to you have kids coming in at 70 degrees, they're probably coming in at 40 or 50. So you better be making sure you're coming in with much more social emotional efforts to make sure you're getting them where they're normal, if not more. Right. Um, and so, we talked a lot about that's going to be a big focus, even more so than our training is my job as the PE teacher is going to be doing everything I can to keep them connected, encouraged, motivated. Um, and I try to take a lot of pride in doing that in the weight room, but I want to even do more right now because I know how, um, I know how that's something that's missing um, by not being physically together. Um, so social, emotional, I think, I think that's, that's going to be there. And, and that's uh, something our district's working at holistically as well it's not just a physical education aim um technology integration there's places that do so much more than us and colleges that do more than us but but i know the things we do we do at the best of our ability and we're proud of and and i'm so grateful to you guys in the, in the software i feel like we've kind of came up with you all a team builder you know um i i remember the first school i visited that used a paperless system and it wasn't team builder and it was it was at a time where we were not ready to do that yet. We were still kind of in our early stages of even trying yeah. to develop a class. Not year one, year two, so to speak. No, no. But yeah. by the time we were in year one or two, we were seeing, boy, you know, this is really tough to manage to have the football coach be able to accurately see how their athletes are doing in the class, knowing that they're at two separate buildings. Mm -hmm. And just the idea of being able to go to a paperless system, how that would help me run reports more efficiently and, and provide more data out to our coaches and, and have them feel like at any given moment they can log in and see how their kids are doing in the class. You know, nothing wrong with the workout cards. That's great. Yeah. But to access that, the coach has to come down and actually look at it, or you got to email them. At I say the same thing. Nothing wrong with the workout cards, except for the second half of the story, the data part. Exactly. And, you know, then those are locked in. And I want the kid to feel like that's his data. You know, it's not like coaches on a card in his filing cabinet. So the ability to have that in the app, yeah. and all of a sudden they're like, you know, proud of that. Um, they're able to show that. They're able to, if they're doing some kind of training yeah. uh, on the side, they can, they can use That's that calendar. Workout, it's, I mean, it's, it's basically their information that the coaches can see. We're all, it kind of connects all of us. So I, that's been big. And by having them, so the first year we used it on the cell phones mm -hmm. and, um, I, I think we'll, we're going to be using them on that a little bit this year just because of the touch points and things. Oh, yeah. But, um, but um, by the next year, that using them for a year with the cell phones gave us enough momentum to where as part of the district um, tech innovation plan, we proposed putting a tablet on each rack. Right. So uh, we started with um, 18, 
Mm-hmm. Um, which was a significant advance, investment if it was just out of the PE budget, but our, our school valued that as our effort in technology integration. And that device wasn't just a place to log um, team builder workouts, although that was the most important thing, right? But it was, it was on there, but it was a learning station. So think of all the other apps that you could have on that device that could help enhance that kid's experience in the class. And so we've, we've used that tremendously. You know, we'll, if it's a if it's an anatomy focused week, we might say, you know, take some of the lifts we always do, um, open up eye muscle, and just make some reflections about what kind of things you're being used. And it doesn't take any time away from the workout. People mm-hmm. love that one. Um, you know, there's other things that we do within that. But when the push bands, um, some don't may or may not like that product. I love it because it syncs right there with the iPad. We've already got the iPad, so why not put a wearable or a bar sensor there that syncs right to it? That makes sense for us. If I didn't have the iPads, that may not be as popular to me, but because they're right there, it makes sense. And so technology integration, how we're projecting all of our slides, um, things we're trying to do, and then just trying to do excellence in all we do. You know, I mean, I I would much rather do a few things really well than uh, try to get spread out and and just kind of have it be average, right? So if we're going to do it, we're going to try to do it really well. And I think that's what gives you the momentum to then keep going forward. Is yeah. excellence. Quick question on uh, SEL, uh, social emotional learning. Yeah. Where can a coach go if he wants to learn more about this? What, what if a coach? Well, I, I think <laughs> there's a lot of different resources out there that are, are trying to help with that area. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, uh, you know, some other terms they might want to search is mindfulness. Mm-hmm. That's a big term associated with that is, is mindfulness. In an educational um, context. In an educational context is, is look for educating mindfully. There was a big conference in, in Chicago uh, last year ran by a, a friend of mine's wife that was just into this. They'd, they'd seen the effects with mental health with some kids. And so they, this education, educating mindfully is a whole thing that just keeps growing. Mm-hmm. And um, so you'll see it written in that way. Um, the administrators, educational leadership did at one of their uh, journals about um, social emotional learning. So it's not necessarily like um, um, it's not necessarily like on an island of itself, but it's, it's more of a, an, a topic right now that people that, that because they're talking about it so much, um, over in the past velocity based training, right. You know, maybe 20 years ago, people that were really familiar, but now as you, as you talk about, there, there's so much more information about it. We have a better understanding of what it means because there's so much more information about it. Same thing with social emotional learning, you know, maybe in the past it was just, you know, health triangle, physical, mental, social, or um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, your basic physical needs, your safety needs, your emotional needs. So the concepts have been around in education for a while. I just think the way we're talking about the needs for um, the, the, the needs themselves are being framed under the language of social emotional learning, mm-hmm. helping a kid understand that you know, we're, we're not only learning about math or, or literacy, but we're also learning about social skills and we're learning how to process our emotions and learn how to um, de-stress and calm down and center and focus and get in touch with where we're at um, because that just seems to be an issue for so many right now. Yeah. we got a couple more minutes left here. I'm just looking at our pre-show notes and trying to see if we can hit some stuff. I think it's interesting. You've had coach Vanderbush over to your place. You've had uh and I will tell you, I'm, I'm not just saying it, probably uh, probably had one of the biggest impacts on what we do. When oh, you really? ask about programming, 
I mean, I, I, we started by trying to do as much of the same thing exactly the way he did as we could. There's obviously been some things that we've changed based on our facilities and our needs and some of the technology things. But I, I would tell you, you know, that's that's one guy that um, I just have tremendous respect for. And I would also say, um, you know, does it the right way. When you talk about trying to do a few things at an excellent level, I mean, that's that's the mission there. And I think if you're if you're wanting to start initiating a program, you, know, you start with going to visit him or talking with him. So I, I always have to say that because his uh, fingerprints on our program are – are there. Yeah. I, I love coach. Coach Van's great. I've been to this facility speaks often at NHSSCA. I yeah. think one of my favorite stories of his is that um, he has a rule in the weight room where there's no food or beverage allowed. There's a, there's a water fountain and uh, Jim Harbaugh is recruiting at a school because you know, coach Vanderbush has great athletes or it makes great athletes. And uh, Jim Harbaugh walks in the weight room with a cup of coffee and uh, coach Vanderbush introduces himself because the formality. And then he says, coach Harbaugh, hate to ask this of you, but I make it a rule for everyone that's going to have to include you, but I don't allow food and beverage in the weight room. So I, I can, I can ask, you know, to have someone take your coffee out of here for you. Can you believe that? The Jim Harbaugh, wow. you know, Unbelievable. Um, yeah. talk about, you know, standards and uh, apparently coach Harbaugh loved it. Thought it was great. He <laughs> just absolutely loved that. Uh, the coach uh, Van said that. Um, but I was just talking about you have coaches visit. I mean, you, you take a lot of coaches in to, to, to learn from. I mean, that, does your budget pay for, for this as continuing ed? I mean, you're, I'm sure you're also calling coaches up all the time and, and learning as well. Uh, they, they support what we're doing. I mean, if there's a conference or something I want to go to, I, 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 I feel blessed, I, I will tell you. I think they know I'm passionate about what I'm doing. And so we, we're in a stage right now where if, if there's something that, I can I can show us something really needed that, that moves forward. It it um, it makes it nice to not hear that no, you know, and, yeah. and it doesn't mean it won't happen at some point or or um, you're not in a situation where you do. You know, sometimes districts are struggling and they've got to they've got to really be very specific. But right. you know, if you can show how what you're doing is going to help the entire school, um, again, that goes back to to that. But yeah, we have we have people visit for a variety of reasons. They they're interested in how we can get so many kids interested in taking the class and, and how many is that specifically? it's right now it's a little bit down this year because of some of the other classes we're trying to promote but it's roughly almost 40 percent of all of our students in pe take strength and conditioning wow so you know it's almost 800 kids train between both campuses every day in pe now they're wow. not all athletes we allow our non-athletes to take the class which some schools don't but yep. we feel like that's important because sometimes that's an avenue to get kids to want to participate in athletics yep. and uh, because our focus is lifelong learning um, you know, that's, uh, that works for us. Yeah. But, um, so I think that that's the one reason they'll visit or they want to see how we're utilizing the tablets or the software. And, uh, you know, so that, those, those will be some, you know, yeah. those, those will be some. So you're, you're obviously you're open and receptive to needing oh, consultation from other coaches. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. it seems like you have a lot of people visit and assess and you're just always kind of trying to iterate. Yeah. There's no, you know, when we, we got nothing to hide and we're not, um, we're not going to tell you that, you know, we're, we've got these secrets or we're some elite thing, you know, we're just trying to get better. And a lot of times I'll get ideas from people that are coming to visit and we want to help others uh, be successful on their journey. And again, I've been places where I've thought, wow, that's really great. I wish we could do that or we're not there yet. And then next thing you know, you're there and, uh, you just, you're constantly helping others, um, with, with maybe what they're, where they're, where the school's at. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I do want to circle back to social emotional because I, um, I, I just feel like that's been so on my mind 
this past year and then throughout the summer and then going into the fall. I, we just had a meeting today with our staff about we start our first day on Wednesday. And uh, I've said this for years, but it's just going to be continued on my forefront of, you know, when you look at people, not even just in strength and conditioning, I want to challenge our coaches. Um, and it may be language they're comfortable sharing, but, you know, when you look at everyone's base, you know, physical needs, we got it. The social emotional side is what I'm talking about here. You know, everyone has a desire to feel like they belong. Yeah. You know, that they belong, that they're a part of something. You see people do a lot of bad things just to try to fit in. Um, but so it's important. Everybody has a need to feel like they're connected or part of something. Um, everybody has a need to feel like they're loved, right? And that somebody cares about them and that they're, um, you know, that they can, they can sense that and that they feel that. And unfortunately, we have a lot of kids that don't have those people in their lives. You know, they don't have coaches or teachers or people that show them that they, that they love them. Now, you may not feel comfortable enough verbalizing that, but you can definitely demonstrate it without the way you, way you treat people. Yeah. And then lastly, everybody wants to feel like they're special. You know, none of us are the same. And so accepting those, those differences and celebrating those and feeling like, you know, you're the only you at Tomlin out there. And you got so many gifts and abilities that have benefited our program and so many others throughout the nation. You know, that, that's great. That's who you are. Every one of my kids of those 800 are different and they're unique and they're special. But, you know, it's one thing to say it, but can you make them feel special? Can, yeah. they, can you celebrate their moments in a way? And the more you do those things, make them feel like they belong, find creative ways to get them connected in your culture mm -hmm. and, uh, and celebrate them and, that they, and show them that you love them and that you make them feel like they're special. You're meeting those social emotional needs. And when we're all feeling that those tanks are full, man, we could do some great things, uh, yeah. not only for ourselves but our culture. You know, imagine when you got a team of kids or a generation of kids that believe in themselves, feel self-validated and feel empowered and feel like they're unique and special. I mean, watch, watch out. You can accomplish some big things. So those are some of the things we talk about social, emotional, that I think are going to really be important uh, as we go into the, these next uh, several months as, as public educators. As, um, and specifically as a strength coach, you know, you probably have the ability to do those more than any other person in the school. And that's why I like my role so much. You know, you have the unique ability to focus on those areas probably more than anybody else in the school. So that's awesome. I mean, we're getting to the top of the hour here, but I just have to say I enjoyed my high school weight room experience. I learned a lot of lessons, but I just hearing you talk, I wish I had a program like this set up because it sounds really special. It sounds like, you know, you're telling a young, a really young kid you, this program's for you. You belong here because you have something to offer, not just necessarily I have something to offer you. And I think that's just so special, especially for a young person. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for your time. Like I said, we can go on a lot of tangents here. And we'll be, look, you'll be back. I want to talk about this more. I want to talk about the, you know, later on in a later episode you talked about, about celebrating wins and, and really cherishing the athletes and their experience. I think that's really important. And I know you asked me, wanted to ask you some programming questions and program design. I wasn't trying to just get away from that. I'm much more passionate about talking about this other stuff. You that's know? okay. That's okay. <laughs> I always mix in a little X's and O's because, you know, sometimes folks <laughs> like to hear that. But obviously you're focused on the important stuff, and that's not – the sets and reps is going to get them where they need to be. There's a lot more other things to it, and uh, you, know, you made a good job of prioritizing that. 
John, thank you so much again for your time. This is awesome. We're going to share your contact information. Hopefully some coaches reach out to you to continue the conversation. Anytime. Thank you for like all you do. Oh, happy to do it. And like I said, this is just the beginning of the conversation. I hope to have you back on. I want to drill into some of these other things as well, and I'm sure we will. Thank you. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you, John.